All right. Welcome back to the Fear and Trembling podcast. Every bit of me wants to go back to former producer Zach. Welcome to the Fear and Trembling podcast. <laughs> Yo, Zach. You uh, shaked us, bud. Yeah. Hey, Zach. Um, I'm Aaron Vanerveen. I'm the past- campus pastor at Watershed here at Heart of Wake Ministries. To my right. I'm Darwin Glassford, the executive pastor here at Heart of Wake Ministries. J.B. Wernland, campus pastor Fusion here at Heart of Wake Ministries. And Bill Lindner, I'm the campus pastor at Celebration with Heart of Wake. Right on. Hey, good to be around the table with you fellas and diving into another uh, another book today. And it seems like it's sort of a, a continuing conversation of what we've had over the last couple podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end, we'll we'll tell you we're going to take a, a totally different angle. Uh, when we're when we're all <laughs> in our next podcast, but we got to get through today first. Um, but uh, we are diving into Carl Truman's book, uh, "The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self: Cultural Amnesia, Expressive Individualism, and the Road to Sexual Revolution." So, wow! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, we also. Uh, what we did for folks who didn't want to quite dive into a 400-plus um, page book <laughs> on history, philosophy, historical philosophy, and religion, culture, psychology. Poetry. Um, yeah, arts, right. The whole thing. Um, so you could uh, – we have an article um, from the, that Carl Truman put out on, on the Gospel Coalition. Uh, there's a podcast on, on our Heart of Wake Ministries website – um, to be able to to listen a little bit more too, so kind of how you want to dive in. I also want to point you back though um, to uh, Bill. Bill's showing me you can't <laughs> you can't see it, folks, but he's he it's like screaming at me. No. I'm the van of white, <laughs> right? Hard of white right now. Um, but I'd point you back to actually a book we read uh, two two podcasts ago, being the bad guys uh, by Stephen McAlpine. Um, it's basically a great. Um, and maybe a little more accessible, yeah. uh, dive yeah. into this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so we always want to give levels for people uh, to dive into these conversations, to grow, maybe push yourself. Um, but uh, yeah, we always want to invite you in to what we're talking about. So today, um, yeah, Carl Truman. Um, the interesting thing, I think, as I read the article way back when we were talking before we started today, um, you know, I, I, I'm with him on a lot of what he says in the article. And I was like, yeah. And then I dove into the book more and I was like, man, the article, um, is great, but it's missing all of this other good guts. (laughs) The benefit of the journey, right? How he got there. Yeah. And in part of that journey, he starts the book out by again, um, sort of walking us through, uh, an overarching picture from Philip Reef, um, who, who's a cultural anthropologist, um, analy- you know, does analysis of that historian a little bit. Darwin, can you say a little bit more about Philip Reef, or am I I'm doing good? Famous book was The Triumph of the Therapeutic, yeah. written a long time ago. <laughs> in the kind 60s, of prophetic, right? It, it looks prophetic now. It looks prophetic now. Yeah, it's in, very, very interesting that he's had this resurgence. Yeah. Right? Well, and one of the key things, um, and I remember touching on this because it, it gets touched on in McAlpine's book, uh, being the bad guys, but uh, the the worlds, the cultures that exist, these sort of overarching narratives uh, in history, the first world culture 
was one of like there were moral code codes, but they were based on myth. And much of religion uh, was more like local mythology. Um, there wasn't any kind of global uh, yeah. norms, things like that. And so and, – And the point, Aaron, was that there was something outside that affected right. the living of that community and the people in it. But there was something – Transcendent and large powers, yeah. right? There yeah. was a, a recognition of the transcendent, yeah. uh, right. as Charles Taylor um, would put it. And then uh, we moved; the world kind of moved to a second culture, a, a second world per se. And that was uh, really with the advent of Christianity mm-hmm. um, in a globalization of Christianity. But also within Christianity, there was structure um, to this moral code, and that structure was the Bible. Um, and how the Bible framed morality, ethics. Uh, I mean, you look at our country, the influence of the Bible, mm-hmm. Judeo-Christian values, uh, we may say, in the forming of societies, right? So it was still transcendent, but now it wasn't just powers. It's God. And it was transcendent for all humans. Right. And so it took on a whole different scope. Yep. And then there becomes this radi- sort of this <laughs> radical shift um, Boom. to a third world, third culture where uh, the the real power is you. The individual. It's the individual. Mm-hmm. You yep. be you. Uh, you define <laughs> reality. Um, you are your truth. Um, and it, and it in some ways also becomes anti-historical mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because it's the the present, the here now is the most important thing along with your own emotions, who you are, what you feel, what you think, this sort of expressive individualism. Mm -hmm. So uh, I I say that just to kind of give us a, you know, we want to give you a sort of a cultural worldview that we're, and cultures (laughs) that we're talking about. So uh, as we dive in there, um, Darwin, I'm going to hand it off to you to help kind of us navigate this conversation and uh, those listening. So, so we'll try to navigate it. Um, it's going to be fun. <laughs> right, yeah. I think um, what what Truman is doing here, and I think it's important um, to to get this, is he's not trying to fight, so to speak, the storms of contemporary life. Right. Okay, um, he's giving us a history. He's looking at ideas and philosophers, social history. Does he help us to understand how essentially the tectonic plates that we don't even see? how they shifted beneath us and the currents that resulted from that. And yes. so many of the contemporary storms that we might describe going on around us, um, say, for example, the toxic nature of conversation, is, is a result of these shifts. Um, we experience them as kind of storms in navigating life, um, but they have deep and long roots. And he wants us to understand those roots. Um, now, I think what's really important, um, and a couple of things I think to really keep in mind here is, he does not idolize the past. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, he does not um, demonize anything. He basically says, "Here's the line of thought. Here are the events. Here are the things that took place that brought us to this place." And he just wants us to understand the nature of these shifts, in part, so that we can have good conversations with other people about these shifts and about current issues and things that we're facing. Absolutely. And Darwin, I like this metaphor you've had for us of storms on the surface, these currents or shifts. I grew up on the East Coast with the Gulf Stream. Mm -hmm. And it's as if there's a storm 
And we've been navigating that, whether it's the conversation mm-hmm. or the politics or the COVID or whatever. Mm-hmm. But underneath, the Gulf Stream has moved us from the coast of Florida to Maryland. Right. Yep. And so there's been this change, and we all kind of perceive it, but it's bigger than the storm. Right. And I, I, yeah, it is. And I, so I would uh, – go ahead, JB. Well, I was just going to say too, just drawing on that illustration, just the human experience, when, when you're in a storm – it's. I mean, it, you, it you're focused on the storm. Survival. And so this takes some real intentionality to step away from the storm for right. a second yeah. to get to these currents. And that, that, that takes a, a, you know, some discipline and yeah. some intentionality. And, and if to I can do jump that. on that too, of, yeah. of just the, that's where I, at the beginning when I said, you know, the article, mm-hmm. I think it's helping people understand and locate where, when he talks about the article, mm-hmm. it's way over, like it's after yeah. everything you just said. Of going, mm-hmm. the whole book is actually laying the ground. It's yeah. helping us from this historical side, not necessarily. And his point's not even to come to conclusions. The article, in some ways, seems to come to some of those, but mm-hmm. he's just trying to go. Hey, listen, throughout this book, let let me help you understand. Yeah, we we were navigating off the coast of Florida. Now we're at Maryland, right? Right, and and for conversations. When I understand how somebody's framework of how they view the world, how they, you know, what culture they may, in essence, be living in, sort of yes. that first, second, third world viewpoint, um, now I might be able to, when I better understand them, might be able to communicate the gospel, maybe able to communicate what I have to say, even, yeah, um, in a way that's understandable, right? Um, to, to and with them. And that it can be better received as love. Right. Mm-hmm. I can communicate it as love. They can receive it as love. Right. Because we do value dignity, um, yep. Mr. Russo. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, and to add to, to add to that, we're also we're also living in these shifts. Yes. yes. Like we're Absolutely. not we're not separate yeah. from them. We're not right. absolved from them. They also influence our own thinking. I may <laughs> miss Florida, but I'm across from Maryland. <laughs> right. yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> So, so I think what's really um, intriguing is he does say our external life is better. Advances in medicine, yep. other advances have made our life better. He's yep. not Plumbing. denying that. He's not saying we should go back in in time. Uh, but what he's concerned about and what he's drawing out is how did this understanding of self, yes. um, sometimes referred to as psychological person, um, sometimes referred to as um, expressive individualism, um, sometimes referred to as the plastic self. Or, or flexible. Flexible. I, I, I didn't like that word plastic. Yeah, that, I wanted. that took me a little while. Like yeah. This, yeah. this whole, it's being made, but then being remade, and it's constantly in flux, so it's not super stable. And then yeah. all of a sudden shape my brain changing. went to 3D printing. and <laughs> Right. Yeah, 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 the well. shape-changing self. So, but, but, so what's really interesting to me um, is in this – and probably the one of the pivotal characters that he looks at is um, Rousseau. Yes, um, Jean-Jacques Rousseau. Jean-Jacques Rousseau. And what's really intriguing to me about it is is that Rousseau was influenced by the Catholicism and Christianity of that time. Right. It was that that gave him an understanding that human beings are um, created in the image of God. Mm-hmm. Um, or they come from the hand of nature would be probably more preferred for him, um, right. but that they had they had value, they had dignity, and they had worth. Um, Rousseau um, 
though, rejected the doctrine of sin, essentially. Mm-hmm. And, and he basically said everything that comes from the hand of nature in his novel, Emile, about raising children— um, he was never married, and he never had kids. Um, but in his novel about raising children, um, he, 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 he says this. Basically, everything is good that comes from the hand of nature, and that a child should be able to grow up without boundaries, and the only boundaries that should exist are to keep them from hurting themselves. Clearly not a parent. <laughs> exactly. That's one of those um, historical truths that's but, worth putting on the table. Yep. But, but the idea is that that the the child is corrupted by outside influences, whether those influences are parents, whether they're religious organizations, whether they're schools, um, whether they're government, they're corrupted by the outside. And so what is really good is what is internal to the child. And the child was in a safe environment. They would always make good and healthy decisions. For themselves. For themselves. For themselves. Yeah, exactly. For themselves. Right. Whew. <laughs> and this is this is the seventeen hundreds. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and his novel was fairly widely read. Um, but it didn't get traction really at that time yeah. in the ways that it, it it the ideas that he was expressing garnered traction later. And and so what what Truman does is he traces then um, through several other writers in in emphasis, and um, even our um, friend Rene um, Descartes. Um, Rene Descartes, a, a wonderful philosopher. I uh, think, um, therefore, I am. And a buddy of yours? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no, no. no. I, I could tell my Rene Descartes joke now. Uh oh. Since you said that. Okay. Remember that? Glad um, to set you yeah, up. yeah. He went into a wine bar and um, he, um, the bartender asked him, Would you like a glass of wine? And Rene Descartes said, I think not. And poof, he was gone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh therefore, you are. But, but, what, but what, what Descartes did is he separated the mind and the will from the body. Yeah. And so again, you have this, what's actually good? And, and he lays the foundation then um, for, for the individual being able to express what they believe is good, what has value. And the individual is always right. 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 Yep. And so this begins to take root and gives birth to exp- to what um, Truman um, will use expressive individualism because I really like that term um, is the notion that who we are as a people, who we feel we are, and the purpose of, of life is inward is psychological psychological contentment and satisfaction that we should be able to pursue our desires freely pursue our desires in order to become our most authentic. Self. Yeah, and that would be the Apostle Paul in Galatians saying that's the definition of freedom that he experienced in the world, right? right. In in Greek thought, Roman thought was license to do whatever you wanted. And it was Gnosticism. It was the separation of the spirit and the flesh, yeah. right? And so it's interesting to me, and just as I was reading those connections, and oh, Truman yeah. doesn't make those necessarily, right. but I'm like, I, I I remember writing in the book multiple places. Well, that's just Gnosticism. Yes. Like, yes. Right. oh wait, this is this 
always this tension of what is freedom? Is freedom license or liberty? Yeah. You know, is it license to do whatever I want or am I free? You know, what, what does this mean? Yeah. Right. Whew. But I think what, what is intriguing about this shift is what happens to external authority. Yes. What role does that play? Suddenly it's always and in every form dangerous and, and inauthentic. It, it shapes us in ways that we may not want to go ourselves. Right. So it's seen as a threat to uh, fulfilled life. So I'm, I'm trying to think back to my, my creeds class in seminary. Uh-oh. Okay. And, and then I'm going to read a quote from Truman here. Um, this is from his book on page um, 154. I'm trying to think of how my professor would have responded in, in my creeds class. Um, we might recast the objection and say that the problem with creeds, like the Belgian Confession, the Heidelberg Catechism, um, the Canons of Dort, is that in each case, the individual has to acknowledge the existence of an external authority beyond that of the immediate personal desires. By submitting to such an external authority, individuals plunge themselves into inauthentic existence. Well, and then I might say, because you know I'm in the third world culture. Well, you're just trying to perpetuate your organization, and you're you don't realize you're part of the dominant narrative, and you're oppressive, and right, like right, it's. And I I don't believe that, folks. But but I mean that's that's what we face today, right? Sure. Right? Yeah. Well, that's that's just your truth. And actually, then because I don't like what you just said, <laughs> I can go. But I can put you in a category of oppress oppression. And as he tracks people like Marx and things like that, because that's history, you know, like it's interesting, even as, as I'm just thinking out loud, again, this is what mm-hmm. you get when you listen to this podcast. <laughs> <The> podcast <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I was like, wow, yeah. I, if I put myself into that third culture, culture. Yeah, like yeah. it's a great point. I agree. You know, I'm like, right. yeah, exactly. And I see the truth of it, but if I'm, if that presses back on me and I'm in a third culture and I don't like it, it just fits my narrative of everything is – Yeah, it, right. it explains away anybody being in a position to expect or to shape me. Right, and you're a pastor and you're ex- – and not only that, you're also a PhD. Yeah. And you are a part of multiple institutions that do everything to – you are the man that holds me down. <laughs> uh oh, sorry. Uh, no, 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 no. I mean, I, I think that's 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 true. I mean, I think that's an accurate accurate description of things of the of the settings in which we find ourselves. Right. I don't, I'm not sure we experience that as intensely here in West Michigan as you would in other parts of the country right, right. now. Yeah, having lived outside of D.C., not at all. Yeah, Western Michigan is an island. Um, I, I've and I could just tell story upon story upon story of how much more central this idea of self and I uh, identify my truth and live that out. So I, I think what's interesting about this discussion for me is is that in this context, um, if institutions are it exists to affirm individuals, not to transform. Um, and we could go off on that for a long time. 
how do you even begin to form community? Yeah. Because the only community you can actually right. form are those who share your certain perspective on a particular issue. And those who don't share a perspective with you on that issue are the problem. Yeah. Well, isn't that yeah. where the technolo- you know, the advancement of the internet has allowed us to widen our you know, we can find those communities online, right. communities, right? Yep. Um, yeah. and you can find people who and you can you can scan the whole globe to find people. Um anyway, it's 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 opened up that possibility. Right. Yeah, Not so to you, go can, on a you, you can here. find one person in each state and have a community of fifty. Right. Right. Um, and yet there's no real relationship and there's no real um what would you say? It, it's not a representative of the whole nation. Right. Well, so, I think, I think but here's like, the thing: I'm going to I'm going to do the yeah, same yeah, thing, right? Yeah, is is some somebody in that culture would go? But you're defining real as this. It is real to me because they right. affirm my position, mm-hmm. and right. so in turn affirm me as a human being because this is what I think and feel. The aesthetic, you know, like this is what I feel. More than even think, because feelings are override even the definition of thinking. Um, but then your agreement with me and support of me in that now is for is is for them actual community. And you go, yeah. yes, there's again. I agree. So, However, and, and, <laughs> and, and the the flip side of that coin, you see, I think sometimes we feel this more painfully. Because you disagree with me, you're not just opposed to an idea. You're opposed to me. Right, right. right. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I, I've had to navigate, why, why do they take this so personally yeah, to put right. it in that language? Yeah. And this helped me see why it yeah. feels so personal to folks. Yeah. And the question – so for me, one of the things I've been wrestling with is how are the questions changing? Oh, my. Mm. Yeah. So um, – since JB brought up the internet, um, <laughs> I'll go there. Um, but I remember reading articles many years ago that you know online education was bad because it's not embodied. Um, you can still read articles online about live streaming worship services that you know they're not what they ought to be because they're not embodied. Um, my the, the question though that's really beginning to emerge, for example, is what does it mean to be embodied, and what does it mean to be an authentic self? In a virtual environment, yeah. And, and our tradition, again, going back to, to Aaron here, in a, in a third culture, our traditional language and our traditional definitions aren't going to make sense, right? And and I think right. that is probably one of the hardest things, um, and one of the biggest challenges that we face is that when we talk about what does it mean to be found in Christ, or what does it mean to be formed by the gospel. Um, that kind of transformation language doesn't even make sense to people. Yeah, right. In in the whole idea of we we want to you know whether you want to use incarnational as the language or whether it want to be yeah. you know we want to meet people where they are right but, sure but it's always realizing it in as Christiani- Christians as Christianities uh, but he brings that out here in in the book and also I believe in the article of going. Christianity historically has probably, and I'm, this is now my words, I think functioned at its fullest when it was this 
minority when it was this alternative right. community because yeah. it the kingdom is a third way. It's an entirely different way, way. than any cultural shift or right. norm. Right. And so being able to go, okay, we can maybe we can meet people in a third culture. Right. And we have to do some hard work to understand the yeah. words we maybe the language we use, the the our how we could have common conversations around value and dignity, but we could have an entirely as Christians a different conversation on value and dignity, right? Uh, right. And and what becomes exciting to me is that we can come together on this question of value and dignity and the gospel will offer something a little different because there's a right. dignity from outside rather than a dignity that's got to be generated from inside. So we need to know where we're different, but where, in a sense, the gospel in a great and powerful way meets the question, meets the need uh, in, in a way that, that is marvelous and good news, finally. And, and we need transcendence. Yes. Otherwise, yes. It, everything does spiral to chaos. Because when right. it's left up to what, and this is the piece that you go, you can fight yeah. nature and humanity. You can blame societies. You can blame right. the nuclear family. Like this all happens, folks. If you ever read the book, like you can see, uh, you know, the nuclear family is the enemy, the, you name it. Yeah. Um, but it still doesn't answer. Why does it still, why does it all spiral to chaos then? Yeah. Why does it all move to a point? Right, because we get back to Darwin. What you were saying at the beginning is, how do we understand human nature? How do we understand right. this? This under how do we understand good and evil? How do good and bad, even for that matter? Sure. I mean, um, right. but if left to ourselves, we don't come together. Just all, all we got to do is look at our society today. Right. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm. There's our case study. <laughs> do we see a more unified country? No. And the other piece I would say is let's not think that we're above this Absolutely. again that, because right. this Absolutely. same thinking is is hitting the church and we see churches oh. who are, you know, hey, let I like this kind of worship or I like this political leaning or, you know, and so we cater. Don't say that, J.B. <laughs> <laughs> but, we, but we see this expressive yeah. individualism Absolutely. infiltrating the church um, yeah. sometimes at the expense of the gospel. So, Ab- absolutely. Anytime so, the, the gospel gets fit into a particular cultural, it gets mo- changed. Yeah. So, so, so one of the really fun questions that, that I'm wrestling with, and I'll come back to something else, is that most of our theology and most of what we read that gives us guidance in the church today was written from a second cultural perspective. Yep. Um, the, and... Not that they don't have something to offer us, not that they're not astute and and helpful, but but we're we're living and doing ministry in an entirely different cultural context, and yeah. and I'm I struggle with sometimes I struggle because I struggle with translating some of these writers into our current setting to make sense of it. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's as if I was trained because I'm yeah. old enough now to have been prior. I was trained in AM radio, right? <laughs> but I've got to communicate in FM radio. Um, um, 
You mean yeah. like satellite radio? Satellite, satellite radio? radio or, or, or wait, you mean um, it's changed again? Spotify, Pandora. All right, all right. <laughs> I, but that is really interesting to say because I mean, the I think still works. Um, Bill has a few, a couple years on me, but not many. Um, <laughs> and, if, if you guys aren't careful, I'm just going to turn, pick up yeah. my cane, and beat you. Okay. <laughs> this but, is where I'm going to use the. But you know what? It, it, I have to say this. Oh no! That that, that it's really tiring. I mean, it's really tiring. I mean, I, to yes. use to to use um, um, to, to Bill's imagery. You know, having been through AM, remembering FM, going to HD, going to satellite radio. I mean, that's just a tip. I mean, that's just a tip. Yeah. Of the cultural changes um, that at least I've seen and experienced in my lifetime. Yeah. And and as as I was thinking about that, this quote from from the article really really struck me, and I think it it, it brings us back in a helpful way. When the external markers by which I understand my world disappear hmm. or are constantly changing, then I myself am also constantly changing. Restlessness and dissatisfaction are the routine distempers of such an age. Yeah, right. And and loneliness. Yeah. You just sense at younger and younger ages in deeper and deeper ways a, a loneliness and where can I fit, can I fit, all of these things press in more and more uh, weight. So and, if, if you go back to the worship wars of um, a few gener- another generation ago, um, when it was all about worship style, I remember yeah. going through the worship um, those times, and you know people were debating traditional versus contemporary. Um, I don't know what traditional wasn't like first century; it was just what they were used to. <laughs> right, um, it's what we were contemporary doing. Contemporary was, was what they weren't used to. My traditional, um, but yeah. but the interesting thing about that the discussion that I think often got missed is that for, for many people in our churches, worship was the stable reference point in their lives. It was the one thing that wasn't changing. It's what allowed them to navigate other social and cultural and familial changes. Yep. And when you started messing with worship, this worship service, it threw everything, everything out of kilter. Mm-hmm. They right. never, they no longer had that sh- that common reference point to navigate mm-hmm. other change. And and his quote here, and I think as you read the book, what is interesting to me is that. For the bulk of our society and culture, there is no reference point to navigate change. And and we see the results of it. Like when we talk about the psychological person, right? right. Self, it, he's, he's not bashing psychology. No. He's not bashing the importance of seeing a counselor. Or, and, sure. and in fact, we need good counselors. And right. our world is telling us we need more than ever. We need good counselors. Right. We need new, good therapists to help us navigate because guess what? Why do we need more? Because the exterior, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know, like, and, and, it, and again, it, there's always the tension there, right? Of going, yeah, the gospel heals. I mean, that's right. ultimately yeah. at the end of the day, we, we believe in a gospel, in a, in a God who is with us and for us and, and You're right. is going to bring new life transformation in us as right. well. And, um, and yes, we need others to help us process that. I mean, our, 
Yeah. Um, he he talks about Augustine, right, mm-hmm. or Augustine, however mm-hmm. you want to pronounce his name. But the conf- what was it? The confessions, the confessions. of Rousseau versus yeah. the confessions of Augustine. Yeah. You know, and you just see there again the imminent or the transcendent, right? And without the transcendent, without those structures too that right. help us understand that, it leads us to chaos. It leads right. us to a lack of of a foundation and, of. And it's built in. It, it affects even the therapist right. and the therapy that we seek. Mm-hmm. That, so when right. there's tension in a marriage, it's not a counselor or therapy to help us change and relate better. It's therapy to help me discover my true self and even leave my marriage behind to be the real mm-hmm. me. Right. To, so there's a whole different directions right. mm-hmm. in how these things work yeah. out. But I think what's really interesting in, in that discussion is that there's only the here and now. Yeah. There's not a spiritual dimension. Right? Yeah. There's just the here and now. There's here's what I experience. And what the, what the gospel does is it says the imminent framework doesn't fit reality. And it reminds us that, that God transcendently breaks into our world in really strange ways. The fact that it doesn't go to total chaos— that we can come to some sort of social consensus is merely a reminder that there's something out there that's actually bigger than us Yes, that, that we're accountable right. to. And even though we won't acknowledge it, we have to create something in its place. Now, Paul – not Paul, I'm sorry. The psalmist calls those an idol. And he says we create them, but in creating them, we actually become like, like them, them, like them in Psalm yeah. 115. And so – this is these are the currents that we're caught in. These are yeah, the currents right. that we're swimming right. in. I wish they felt more like the Gulf Stream and less like a riptide. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. And that's because a great the riptide picture. pulls us away from the right. shore and from safety. Mm. Right. Um, yeah. Hey, JB, we oh. haven't heard much from you. Wrap us up. Yeah. <laughs> I just put a bow on that. Final thoughts, JB. Like, this, the, the, the imagery that was in my mind was we were talking about some of the consequences and we see some of – like that's kind of like the symptoms. And, it, and the answer is not that we ignore the symptoms and we throw psychology, but what's the source? You know, and so the under – I guess it's another analogy of this riptide and currents and uh, – but, but yeah – Anyway, that was just kind okay. of the, the yeah. thing that was rattling through my mind if I looked like I was thinking. I was, <laughs> you know. I, did. I, I wonder for us in kind of wrapping things up today, I mean, as you've been reflecting, and I'm, I know I'm just throwing this question out there, but uh, how, why do, you, why do you see the gospel being so important after, I mean, taking this deep dive into Truman's book, looking at the articles, listening to podcasts and, and more I mean, what what is it about the gospel that that actually is something that you could say? This is why I want to extend this gospel to others. Um, this is why I believe it so much, and I'm willing to do anything for the sake of this gospel. Sure. Why? Why? I mean, just personally, where? I, I think for me, uh, I'll say two things. I think one is that it reminds us that human beings um, are created in the image of God. And that God meets us where we're at, yeah. Um, wherever that might be, and and that um, He meets us. We don't have to clean ourselves up. We don't have to put on a coat and tie. We don't have to straighten out our lives. God meets us where we're at, and I think 
uh, it's just a, a really good reminder. I think too, um, as we would say, kind of formational, that the role of the the church it really is an alternative community, and it's got to be an alternative community where we wrestle with these questions and we wrestle with these issues that we care for one another, that we model a different way of being in the world. Um, and it doesn't mean that everyone agrees with us. And it doesn't mean that, right. but but what it does mean is it calls us to a different way because we are all image bearers and all of us are worthy of respect because we're image bearers. It invites us into a different kind of community where we care for, we walk with each other, um, and we allow the gospel, the work of the Spirit, to transform. Um, recognizing that outside of the community, there's a lot of pressures and there's a lot to navigate, and we don't always get it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was, I was, I mean, similarly, that all people have dignity and worth and value, which is some of the foundation of of this expressive individualism. But it it doesn't come from within; it comes from from God, you know. Yeah, it's a yeah. gift, and and yeah. the gospel, you know, my my value, my worth is not uh, is not contingent on people agreeing or you know affirm. Or it's it's in it's in Christ, um, which is such good news. Yeah, and I know we've kind of touched on that, but yeah. Um, yeah, I think for me, a key word would be reconciliation. Um, that the gospel brings reconciliation and relationship with. Ideas, people, cultures outside of me, that there's something outside of me. And even when there's differences, um, they may be because of my brokenness, they may be because of our disagreement, whatever it is, that the gospel is God at work to reconcile, first, us to him, but secondly, us to all people, because there's their image bearers. We right. share that with them. But then we also become reconcilers, ambassadors, people of of good news that yeah. we can have relationships. One mm-hmm. of the heartbreaking things for me about expressive individualism is it really makes authentic relationship. You know, I become a more authentic self when I lay down myself to serve mm-hmm. others. I, that's a radical message in the yeah. light of expressive individualism. I find out who I am by laying aside my uh, feelings and desires and serving someone else. Imagine such an idea. Yeah. And, and so that idea of reconciliation is going to be key, I think, for me. I think um, for me, what's what hits me is the season that we're releasing this podcast in is Lent. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I the opportunity to talk on Ash Wednesday and reminded of a creed that was written, you know, <laughs> a long ago, you know, in a, yeah. in a period of time, as Carl Truman says that, you know, there's not even history classes about anymore conveniently in some ways. <laughs> um, but when we start the Heidelberg Catechism, you know, it's that the first two questions are are the gospel. The introduction is the whole gospel. It's mm-hmm. the whole catechism in a nutshell. This is why people say it over and over again. It it should shape us. But that I belong body and soul and life and death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, right? And then everything from then, he's rescued me from the tyranny of the devil, right? I I can stop trying to find others to blame and vilify. I can understand where evil comes from, the the true Mm -hmm. face of it. 
I can understand why, you know, I, I, why I do, and I don't understand why I do <laughs> the things that I do. Um, you know, that I know that God is working good for you, for me, knows every hair on our head. But, but then I can deal with this reality of when the catechism says in question and answer to what, what, what do I need to know to live and die in the joy of this comfort? First, how great my sin and misery are mm-hmm. and how I'm rescued from that sin and yes. misery. Mm-hmm. And then how I can live in gratitude, right? You know, for that rescue, right? And it changes the posture. It changes who I am. It changes, yeah. um, it allows me to stop blaming and just be able to understand, like you said, Darwin, mm-hmm. you know, and God meets me right where I'm at and refuses to leave me there. Mm-hmm. That's the goodness of God. Yeah. And mm-hmm. in that refusing to leave us there isn't then conditioned by now a whole set more of morality and how to, you know, get it right, don't get it right. But it's grace at the beginning, grace at the end, and grace for the journey. And so preach it. Gentlemen, this has been a great conversation, and yeah, we're we're barely scratching the surface um, yeah. of yeah, really. I mean, a great book, challenging book, "The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self" uh, by Carl Truman. Um, Darwin, thanks for. I think you recommended it to us. You caught yeah. you, and and thanks for the recommendation. Yeah. Um, again, there's yeah articles around, but the article by Carl Truman for the Gospel Coalition. Uh, that's available on our Hardawake website. Uh, there's a podcast that he did uh, a little little longer than ours, um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, that's there and available. Points you again to being the bad guys uh, by Stephen McAlpine. If you want to sort of have a little little more of a primer version, um, but with great stuff to offer. Um, like I said, uh, surprise at the beginning. Now at the end, here we are. We're gonna we're gonna take a turn, uh, left hand <laughs> turn, right hand turn, whatever you want to call it. But uh, next time we're gonna we're gonna read a book by Win Collier. Uh, Win is over at Western Seminary here in town um, because Western <laughs> Seminary has the Eugene Peterson Center. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm saying that right, yeah. JB. I think um, Eugene Peterson from. If you don't know who he is, he was he basically put together the message translation of the Bible, um, did a lot as a pastor, as a, a theologian professor, um, walked with many, and I think was, yeah, was a gift to the church. Sure. Um, but uh, we're going to read a biography uh, that Wynn Callier put together, A Burning in My Bones, A Burning in My Bones, um, the authorized biography of Eugene Peterson translator of the message. So um, look forward to reading that, diving in. Um, I've appreciated Peterson's uh, works. and Yeah, I read the book at the beach last week and was taken by it. It started a little bit slow, but as I got into it, better and better and better. I just was deeply shaped by him once again. He's been awesome. a great, great guy. So looking forward to it. And uh, again, thanks for joining us. I'm Aaron. I'm Darwin. I'm JB. And I'm Bill. This is the Fear and Trembling Podcast. We'll talk with you again.